have your Bibles with you this morning, would you open them please to the first gospel, the gospel of Matthew chapter 2. We continue in a sermon series entitled, A Rainbow Christmas. We're looking at the colors of Christmas and what they should mean to us. And today, color Christmas gold. Color Christmas gold. Matthew chapter 2, a familiar story about three wise men who came from the east, looking, finding Jesus, and what they did when they found him. Matthew chapter 2, beginning with verse 1 and 2, and then we'll jump to verses 10 and 11. Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. They said, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east, and we have come to worship him. We have come to worship. Verse 10, when they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy as it finally brought them to Jesus. And when they were coming to the house, they saw the young Jesus with his mother Mary. And these kings, these wise men, fell down to their knees and they worshipped him. And then they opened up their sack of gifts, presents, treasures, if you will, and they presented to Jesus gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. One of the biggest challenges of Christmas is finding just the right gift for those that we love. Would you not agree? That's a challenge sometimes. Now my dad did not have that challenge. Christmas never stressed out my father, never worried him, never caused any anxiety. My dad was an old school military man. And every year when he went Christmas shopping, he got my mother the same thing. It did not matter how many times he did it. The same thing year after year after year. What was the same thing that he got her year after year after year after year for Christmas? A nightgown and a chopomatic. A nightgown, we all know what that is. But for you young folks, a chopomatic was the rage kitchen device of that day. You could put a tomato in it and cha 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 cha, and it would slice it all up. You could put an onion in it and slice it all up. Dad would get mom that every single year. Sometimes I would be with him, sometimes I wouldn't be with him. Same thing. I would often ask dad, why did you get mom the same thing? He said, because she likes it. 
So every year, mom got a nightgown and a chopomatic, and three days afterwards, every year, mom took back to the store a nightgown that was the wrong size and a chopomatic she didn't want or need. Now, I watched my dad and I learned from him. I'm not going to make his same mistake. I'm going to give gifts this Christmas that are highly reliable, that never fail. They'll make everybody happy. Gift cards. When you give a gift card, they get to buy what they want. And when you give a gift card, you have the satisfaction of knowing they will not return it. But if they do, they'll give it back to you. Then you get to enjoy it. Well, I hope you do better than my dad, and maybe you do better than I when it comes to gifts. But in our story, the wise men have arrived at the home of Jesus to celebrate their first Christmas with him. I didn't say the first Christmas, their first Christmas with him. Because Jesus at this time, according to historians, is probably about two years old. He's a little infant boy walking around. And the gifts that the wise men bring him, as you might call them Santa Clauses, they bring their sacks into the home where Jesus is staying with his father Joseph and his mother Mary, and they pull three gifts out to give to him. Now these gifts are very significant. I don't believe the wise men thought them up. I believe the spirit of the living God divinely inspired them what to bring to Jesus. Because these gifts were going to validate and verify to those of that day and to those of every day who Jesus was. These gifts were significant because they were telling who he was. Now notice it says in verse 11, they brought him gold. Why would they bring a baby boy, two years old, gold? Gold was a precious metal. The only people in Jesus' day who had gold was royalty and lords. The common man had no gold in that day. It was unobtainable by the common man. And yet these three kings, these three wise men, they come and out of the sack they give Jesus gold. And then they present him something else out of the sack, a perfume called frankincense. Now this perfume was not worn by ladies of that day. This perfume was very special. It was very pricey. It was very expensive. It was the Chanel number no. 5, if you will, of that day. And this perfume was used only in the temple. It was burned as incense. And as the aroma of this burning perfume rose up, it was reserved only for the nostrils of God. Only God himself was to 
to, to be pleased with this aroma of frankincense that was used in the worship of him. Interesting. Not a tricycle, but gold. Not a teddy bear, but frankincense. And then they reach in the sack and they take out another gift. It's not a police car with all the sirens and lights. It's myrrh. Myrrh also was a perfume, but it was a bitter perfume. And it was primarily used by one occupation in that day. Funeral directors. Because it was a perfume that was put into an ointment and it was used in the embalming of the dead. The wise men brought Jesus these gifts. Can you imagine a two-year-old little boy? I've got two of them, grandsons. Can you imagine what their little eyes and mind must be thinking as there's now gold and frankincense and myrrh in front of him? Again, I want you to know these gifts were not just random gifts. They were not spur-of-the-moment gifts. They were not gifts that were just thought up on the way. These gifts were inspired of God himself. And they gave them under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Because these gifts, pay attention, declared who he was. This two-year-old Jesus was given gold because he was the King of kings and the Lord of lords. This Baby Jesus was given frankincense because he was Emmanuel, God is with us. This baby Jesus was given myrrh because he was the Savior of the world. John the Baptist would say of him, Behold the Lamb of God who one day will take away the sins of the world on a cross at Calvary. Make no mistake about it, these wise men were wise because they knew who Jesus was. I wonder why the Lord, who guided Matthew to talk about this, would make such a big deal about who Jesus is. Because the Lord knew that in his day there would be people who would be confused about it, or deny it. And the Lord looking down the, the corridor of time would see every generation would have skeptics and scoffers and doubters and unbelievers who would try to make Jesus something he's not. These wise men knew that he was not an angel. We have some today who think Jesus is an angel. He's like Gabriel and Michael, a high-ranking angel. We have some today who say Jesus is a philosopher, like Socrates, like Plato. We have some today who say Jesus is a teacher. He's a master teacher, but he's just a teacher. 
There's some who say he's a prophet. There's some who say he's Satan's brother. There's some who say he's a space alien. There's some who say he's a mystic. He's a guru. He's an inman of the Muslim faith. He's a renaissance man. He's a madman. Some even say he's a liar. And the wise men wanted to shut the mouth of those people and to shut them continually. Because when they came, they said, we know who he is. We know who he is. He is the creator over everyone and everything. He's the savior of whosoever will come. He's the Lord over everyone and everything. One day every knee will bend, every head will bow, and every tongue will confess he is Lord. They'll do it on heaven, on earth, and in hell. And he's God. He's the second member of the Holy Trinity. He is the Son of the living God. He is the great I Am. Wow. Now you know why they were called wise men. They were smart. They knew who he was. And you know... As we look at these expensive gifts that they gave Jesus, and by the way, there was a reason why they gave him these expensive gifts. Because there was a king by the name of Herod who was a madman and a murderer. He came from a lineage of madmen and murderers. And King Herod heard about Jesus, and he thought that this little baby Jesus was going to be a rival to his throne. So what he decided to do is, I'll murder him before he ever gets started. And he sent his soldiers out into the areas. And history tells us they rounded up 20 to 30 little boys, little baby boys. And they slaughtered them in front of their parents. How horrible. It must have been for mothers of that day and fathers of that day see Herod's soldiers bust into their home and, is that your son? Yes. Take his head off or stab him in the heart. That Herod was crazy. He was after Jesus. But God used those gifts that the wise men brought not only to confirm who Jesus was, but to be there a, a way for them to be able to finance a trip to Egypt where God would take Joseph and Mary and Jesus and hide him away for a number of years until Herod was dead. And Jesus would come back. You see, Joseph and Mary were poor. They didn't have no money. They couldn't travel next door, much less to Egypt. But with the gold that they could cash in, with the frankincense and the myrrh that they could sell, they accumulated enough money to go and stay in Egypt until the day God would bring them back. Aren't you glad that God sees the future? And he has it all planned out for Joseph and Mary and Jesus and for you and I. But as God watched those wise men give those gifts to Jesus that he inspired them to give, God wasn't impressed with the fact that they were priceless. You say, well, pastor, gold's worth a lot. It is. And frankincense is worth a lot. It was. Myrrh is worth a lot. It was. But God didn't record this in the Bible 
because he was impressed with the priciness of these gifts. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, what God was impressed with, if you look at verse 11, is not the gifts, but the worship. Because these three kings, these three wise men, who are used to people bending a knee and bowing a head to them and giving them gifts. What did they do? They got down on their knees. They bowed their head. And they worshipped baby Jesus. Baby Jesus standing there looking, perhaps with a diaper on, looking at these three men and their entourage worshiping him. He was the Messiah. And God was impressed. God is not impressed with the things that we give him. He's impressed with the worship that we bring. Because you notice in verse 11 it said, and they worshipped him. They fell down and worshipped him. Most people focus on the gifts, and the gifts are important. Because they validated who Jesus was. They financed his trip to safety. But folks, the main focus of verse 11 is they fell down and they worshipped. And may I say to you, they worshipped him correctly. Because you know there is an incorrect way of worshiping the Lord. There is an incorrect way of worshiping the Lord. Not all worship is equal. Jesus said to the Samaritan woman, there will come a day when your people and the Jewish people and the Gentile people and all people, they will have to worship me in spirit and in truth. That will be the only acceptable worship. You will worship me in spirit. And you will worship me in truth. And that's the only acceptable worship today, by the way. You worship the Lord with your head. You know who he is. And you worship him with your spirit or your heart a passion and a love for him. Not a duty, but a devotion. Not a law, but a love. Not a religion, but a relationship. Did you hear me? When you come and I come to worship him, it pleases him when we come with our head, we acknowledge who he is, and we come with our heart, we love him. When you only worship the Lord with your head, that's nothing but an intellectual exercise. When you only worship the Lord with your heart, that's nothing but emotional hype. True worship involves knowing who he is and loving who he is. Now I say that because we live in a day of craziness. And sadly, much of the craziness goes on in churches, even Baptist churches. 
And most of the craziness always centers on extreme. If you ever learn anything from me, understand that God is in the middle. God is not to the far left. He's not to the far right. God is a God of balance. God is a God of in the middle. And whenever people try to push something one way or the other too far, it does not become truth anymore. It becomes a cult. Every ism is born by trying to take something that's true and push it to an area where it's not true. And we have people today who worship the Lord only with their heads. Most of them come from high churches. Very ritualistic, very formal. They just sit there stoic. The only time they ever move in the worship is to check their watch to see if it's time to go yet. Everything they say, everything they do is robotic, it's mechanical. That's worshiping God with your head. There's nothing there. And then you got the flip side of that. You got people that worship Him with only their heart. You come to their worship services and they're standing up, their hands are swaying, they're clapping, they're turning around in the pews, they're running down the aisles, they're flip-flopping, somersaulting, they're singing loud, they're shouting. You say, what's wrong with that? There's nothing wrong with that. Except when they leave the church, they go drink their alcohol, they go smoke their weed, and they go sleep with their boyfriends and girlfriends. They don't be married. This this, this so-called emotional experience never translates into holy living. And both of those types of worship are wrong. When you come to worship Him, you've got to know who He is. He is Creator, He is Savior, He's Lord, and He's God, and He's all of it. Not just what you want Him to be, He's all of it. You come with your heart. And you give him that heart on the altar. You worship him with passion. You worship him with love. You get excited. Because he's not just creator, but he's your creator. He's not just savior, but he's your savior. He's not just Lord, but he's your Lord. He's not just God, but he's your God. And if that can't get you fired up, nothing will. God got excited a little bit as those three wise men came and said, we know who he is. For two years we've been searching for him. We have found him. Eureka, we found him. And they fell down and they worshipped. I love Christmas songs and under the direction of Keith, our individuals and our groups and our choir have blessed us this year with some great Christmas music. But one of the songs that I think says everything I'm trying to say is, O come all ye faithful.
I know we sing songs, and once again, sometimes we just sing the songs and never think about the words. We tend to do that. That's one, that's one of the things that we need to try not to do. We need to try to think about what we're singing. But in the, the song, O Come All Ye Faithful, do you know it talks about worship? And it talks about why we adore Him? Because He is Christ the... O come all ye faithful, joyful and triumphant. O come ye, O come ye to Bethlehem. O come and behold Him, born the King of angels. O come let us adore Him. O come let us adore Him. O come let us adore Him. Why? Because he is Christ. He is Christ the Lord. That's why we come. That's why we adore him. That's why we worship him. Because we know who he is. You know, the wise men traveled, as I've said, for about 24 months to find Jesus. 24 months they searched for this Messiah. May I be honest with you? I don't know if they knew where they were going. Like Abraham, they went. And they trusted God to show them the way. And maybe they knew approximately where they were going. But they didn't know exactly where they were going. They didn't know how far that they were going to travel. They didn't know how long it was going to take. They didn't know anything about the angels singing that night. They didn't know nothing about the shepherds going to the manger. They didn't really understand King Herod and his craziness and why he wanted to murder Jesus. I don't even believe they truly understood the whole thing about Jesus. I don't believe they, they at that point understood that this baby Jesus that was the King of kings and the Lord of lords, this baby Jesus that was Emmanuel, God with us, this baby Jesus that was the Lamb of God who would take away the sins of the world, I don't believe they understood he would be rejected. And he'd be crucified. And he'd be buried. And on the third day, he would walk out of a tomb alive and he would one day come again. They didn't understand all of that, ladies and gentlemen. But they understood enough to bend their knee and bow their head because he was Messiah. You know, sometimes people say, well, how much do I need to know to get saved? You don't need to know a lot. Just you're a sinner and he's a savior. And you bring all your sins to that savior and he'll give you all the salvation you need to take care of all your sins. You say, how do you know? Because I, that's all I knew in 1979. And God saved me and God will save you too. And God has saved many of you. You don't have to be a great theologian or a Bible scholar to get saved. And those wise men, they were wise not because they knew the entire scriptures. They were wise simply because they knew that baby was creator, savior, Lord, and God, and they knew they had to worship. 
Now, I know what some of you are thinking in closing. Pastor, this is supposed to be a sermon about the color of Christmas is gold. <laughs> You're right. You're right. Well, Pastor, other than the gold that the wise men brought to Jesus, where's the gold? Well, I'm glad you asked. The gold is symbolic of wealth, a precious possession, the best you got. When you give somebody gold, you're giving them something that's pretty good, probably the best you got. That gold is a reminder, ladies and gentlemen, that God gave us his best. God didn't give us his leftovers. God didn't give us the good or the better. God gave us that first Christmas his best. And 33 years later, he would give his best again to us. For God so loved the world that he would give his only beloved begotten son, the crown prince of heaven whose name is Jesus, that whosoever would believe in him, put their faith in him and him alone and repent of their sin, they would not perish in a devil's hell but have everlasting life in heaven. The gold of Christmas is God's gift to us, his son Jesus. And the gold of Christmas is what we give in return. What do you give to someone who gives you their best? You give them your best. And the wise men, when God gave them Jesus, they gave Jesus their, what's that? Remember, it wasn't the pricey gifts. They laid their heart down before him. In Jeremiah chapter 29, verse 13, there's a verse that says, You shall seek me and find me. This is the Lord speaking. When you shall search for me with all your heart. But there's another translation of that verse that I like. It goes like this. And you shall seek me and find me. Once again, the Lord speaking. You shall seek me and you shall find me when you give unto me all your... So the color gold, God gave us Jesus twice. He gave us to us the first time at the first Christmas and then the second time at the first Easter. And what does God want from us? Our hearts. If you seek me and find, if you seek me, you will find me. If you bring to me your heart, isn't that the heart of Christmas? Giving Him our heart. I guess in closing, the true meaning of Christmas is nothing but an exchange of gifts. God gave us his son. We give God our heart.
little girl was praying. You know, children are interesting because when they pray, they pray simple prayers. They're not trying to impress anybody. They're not, there's no pretense. And as this little girl is praying, this is what she says. Dear God, I don't have any gold like the wise men. I don't have any sheep like the shepherds. I hope that's okay with you, God. But what I have to give to you is my heart. I hope that will be okay. The Lord doesn't want your gold, and He doesn't want your sheep nor mine. He wants our hearts. The heart of worship is giving Jesus your heart and recognition of who He is and what He's done for you. Heads are bowed and their eyes are